It's 2013, and a new online service called Grailed was just created by my guest. At first, it's a place for men to sell their gently loved designer clothing to someone else. So, you know, they can get some money to buy more clothing. And other folks can get some amazing pieces for less than retail. Win-win. So a few people join, then a few more, and a few more. Now, they're not only selling and introducing brands to new users, they're even collaborating with the designers who had been sold on the platform. So how did this happen? Well, for starters, it's not the first company my guest has founded. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is the founder and CEO of Grailed, Arun Gupta. Arun and I chat about the origins of Grailed and how he went from a guy learning about clothes to creating a company that's evolving the entire clothing industry. It's the season finale, folks. So Arun, you're on the pod. Thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure to be here. You are, you are Mr. Grailed. Uh, let's just use a different nickname. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. Um, Arun, Arun Grailed. That's yeah. what they call me in the streets. Arun Grailed. Yeah. I'm it, sure I'm saved in so many people's phones as Arun Grailed. <laughs> isn't it funny that like a lot of people, their names, like, I, I don't know if it's like the old school hip hop stuff or whatever that like mm. people would be name slash representative. So, you know, like my friend Andrew Chen of 316, he's Andrew 316 yeah. or like all the old message board dudes, it'd be like, Johnny Cool Club or whatever it was totally, that they right? did. Like, yeah, like the West is Dead or like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I'd love to chat with you about. Grailed, your background, kind of where all this came from, and, and more or less how you guys have built this and, and sort of also kind of fathered this like larger movement of a life after purchase of clothes. Like it's it's some of this stuff you can argue is like how you guys in a way have pushed sustainability. Some of this stuff you've you've done is you've made certain eras of certain designers become so exciting and fashionable. And also to me, and one of the things, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later is like how you've made this like history book of clothes that in my, that in terms of like my ease of access had never really been available before. So like, it's first off, thanks for all the stuff that you guys are doing, but like, this is, this is really, this is fun. So thanks. Yeah. Um, so where where are you from originally? Where am I from? I'm from Long Island, actually. Nice. Yeah, born and raised Suffolk. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, you're like born and you know born and bred New York guy. Did you did you come to the city a lot? Uh, growing up a little bit, um, not a ton. Um, you know, we would come and like you know sneak into clubs and stuff. Basically, wait, really? Yeah. Wait, like what clubs? Like Luke and Leroy? Honestly, I can't remember. I feel like it was like Brass Monkey. To call that a club is generous, but you know, like it was like stuff like that. It was like financy, like douchey, like, you know, like big bars, like meatpacking, like type bars and stuff. And how old are you? 17, 16, 16, 17, something like that. I mean, like we wouldn't get in all the time, right? But sometimes we would like be able to like sneak in. We have like a fake ID or something. It'd be like four or five of us. <laughs> like take the train, take the LIRR like up and then either you stay and like you have a really great time or you end up like bumming around the city and then like it would be sad on the ride home. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What was, were you guys just like coming to like party? Was that like the thing? Yeah, we were just bored basically. Yeah. On Long Island, there's like nothing to do except like go to the movies basically <laughs> like every weekend yeah i feel like that's the the standard sort of teenage life like 
what do you do on the weekends? You go to the movies or you go to like some restaurant and everyone takes turns ordering appetizers. Yeah, Applebee's <laughs> half off apps. Oh, dude, for sure. <laughs> I love Applebee's. <laughs> I used to as well. I used to as well. I don't even know if there is one in the city. Probably Times Square has one. There, Yeah, there's one, but it's like, all those places are they're great to go to only when you're not in the city because there's something yeah. about like the taste of Applebee's outside in the of, suburbs. In the suburbs. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and Wendy's. Every time I go home to Long Island, I go to Wendy's. Yeah, dude. Shout out Wendy's. Yeah. Great spot. All white meat. <laughs> <laughs> um so what 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 happened? Like, were you always into clothes? Were you, I mean, where? Did yeah, this... I, I think it's like uh, it's a pretty typical journey that I went through. That like I think most guys went through. Um, you know, you like you're in middle school and you're like, oh shit, Abercrombie is cool, or like I want to fit in with everybody. Like, you know, you go from Abercrombie to like Hollister, um, and then maybe like the Gap or like American Eagle or like True Religion. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Hardy was big, right? Like when uh, when we were growing up. Um, and then I kind of just like followed that trend. And then when I went to college, um, my dorm was like down the block from like a J crew. Um, so that was a thing Okay, so I'd, like pop in there like all the time. And then I got like really into prep cause I went to like an East coast school. So it's okay. like, very preppy and there was a Gantt too. Um, so like Gantt Rugger was there and like, uh, and all that jazz. So I was just kind of like falling into it. And then, um, Tumblr obviously used to be like really big for menswear. So wait, what year is this when you're in college? 2009, 2008, 2009. Okay, so yeah. Um, this like is when I started getting into it in college. Okay, so this is right around the the, cor- the sort of like menswear suits, suited totally. and booted and all that. Totally, and I like, I think I came at it a little bit like, because I was just getting into it. So like, I had like the prep, like sort of like downstream prep stuff, like not like the upstream, like really like, you know, <laughs> three button roll to call it. I don't even know. No, 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 yeah, honest. you're fine. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so I, I was wearing like, just like regular prep stuff, uh, like honestly, mostly J crew, um, and like banana probably, banana probably back then wasn't very good. Um, and like maybe a little all saints and, you know, I was like kind of getting into these like sort of like more mass brands. Oh, and I love Zara. Cause I was like, holy fuck. Like there's like so many styles here and it's like all so cheap. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think when I was in high school, I also loved H and M. Um, cause I was like, how can I buy a t-shirt for $10? It's incredible. <laughs> um, and it was like decent, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, but then, you know, you quickly like move past that and you're like, oh, I washed this twice and now it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then, you know, I like. I was like kind of wondering like what's next. And I was like Googling and Googling and I ended up on Styleform, right? Styleform, okay. Super Future, F-U-K. Yeah. Um, Style Zeitgeist. Style Zeitgeist was a little too turbo for me, to be honest. Oh yeah? Uh, at the time. Um, eventually I got all the way into it. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the journey, right? I don't know if you've seen that meme um, where it's like the journey to uh, like the seven circles of menswear hell. <laughs> and you start out with like Gap basically and you end up in like Carol Christian Poel. Okay. But there's like the whole journey through like APC, Acne, Lombard, Dries, you know, and like everything all the way through to like the dark, dark stuff. Yeah. But basically like, no, that's my style journey, you know? And then like Styleform exposed me to like all these um, like workwear type brands. I got really into raw denim when that was a thing in like 2011, 2012. Right. Um, you know, I had a pair of 316s, I had a pair of PBJs, I had a pair of Samurais, which is like too many jeans for one person to break in, obviously. But those were also like top brands. Like those were not. But I was like, buying them secondhand. Oh. Right. So I was buying it all on Style Forum or on the forums, right? Like from other people. Cause like, I didn't have fucking $300 to spend on a pair of jeans. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, the college, college kid lifestyle, like you, yeah. you're not. Yeah. I, I mean, barely had $15 to spend on a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> So you're kind of like, you're deep Google, you're educating yourself on the internet, buying 
secondhand from Styleform. And just so like listeners are, are aware, like Styleform was this message board site. I would say there was Styleform. There was another site called Ask Andy About Clothes. And of that, menswear and you know, like suits and era that was basically where all these people could go and chat about clothes and something that birthed from it, which is what it sounds like you were into was the, the, the buying and selling section. Yeah. The style forum classifieds marketplace. The class. <laughs> there you go. That's the correct term. Yes. Uh, streetwear and denim, I believe it was called. Yes. Uh, and then there was a traditional or like a suiting. I forget, maybe it was called Taylor. It was a tailoring one as well. Yeah. Um, but that was like kind of a Mecca to be honest, you know, you could buy like Wings and horns, like, you know, like loop wheel, like whatever for yeah. like half off. Well, I think it was also because a lot of the people that were like in that marketplace were people that were way older than us at the time. Yeah. And they had a lot of disposable income. Yeah. And they were just, yeah, cause yeah, well, I mean, you, you said you were buying like pure blue Japans, which are like probably some of the most expensive denim ever. Definitely at least 300 bucks. Yeah. And then you had... Yeah, I remember I bought like an old like Keton jacket off of a guy and like a Keton jacket's like, you know, 3,500 bucks. And I think I bought it for like three or 400. And then I had to, I didn't realize all the tailoring I was going to have to do after it. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, there was that era where you could just get all this amazing stuff for like pennies on the dollar. They were just being really nice. Like everybody (laughs) in the forest was just being really nice. They're like, oh, you like silly little kid, like check your post history. They realize you're in college and you have no idea what's going on. It's like, it's like big brother hand-me-downs basically. Yeah, check your, I remember, yeah, because Styleform shows when you joined. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, so it's like, who's this new guy, you know, looking looking to chat and educate themselves on this? Totally. Did you ever get involved in those conversations or were you more of just like, I'm just here for the commerce? I was mostly there for the commerce. I was talking, I was, I was mostly lurking, you know, I would okay. like read everything, but like, ah, style form was like, it wasn't the friendliest community, you know, like I, I would testify to that. I agree. People were like, it was a very much like, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, like fuck off mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, like shut up until like, you're like, you know very educated and then you can like come in and like say something yeah there was a bit of classism on that for sure that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah so i didn't feel like super educated enough to sort of like comment um but i definitely transacted as much as i could and uh read many many pages (laughs) (laughs) like too many pages so where did you go from style forum um so from style forum i went to um i was on reddit mail fashion advice back then as well um, which was a little bit friendlier mm-hmm. um, and a little bit more image driven, um, which was cool. And it was also on Tumblr, mostly on Lawrence's Tumblr, like how to talk to girls. Yeah, that was a certain age where them and like Justin Saunders of like JJJJ down or whatever yeah. would uh, um, make like probably some of the best mood boards ever. Totally. And no one realized. It's like pre Pinterest. Yeah, pre Pinterest. Man, that's I won't I won't get in a rant about Tumblr, but I really do miss when Tumblr was just this friendlier yeah. community of people and the when they, they had the ask a question feature and Yeah, it was super nice. Man, R.I.P. Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> Those are good times. A simpler time. Yes, a simpler time. So you're you're in Tumblr. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in Tumblr, you're you're, yeah. you're learning more about stuff. Yeah, you know, and I'm mostly transacting. And honestly the thing that frustrated me the most was that on style form if you remember to 
you had to like click into each individual thread to like find the item, and then you had to click the thumbnails to like make the picture bigger. Mm-hmm. And it took forever for the picture to load, like yeah. forever. So if there's like six pictures, you're like, okay, I'm gonna be here for like ten minutes, like you know, like clicking through each of these six pictures. And really, all I wanted, to be honest with you, is a feed, like a page that was just bigger pictures. I was like, I don't care about the name or whatever, whatever it is. I just want to see a bigger picture like up front and then I'll click in and like whatever. Right. You know, so like that's all I was really trying to do is just get the style form marketplace to be a different format, like a different image format. Right. So I was like, you know, this should exist. And also like, you know, if you have to make a forum account to like browse the items, like it's just, it's so insular. And specifically, I wanted a pair of um, Visvim uh, FBTs. Yeah. Uh, like so badly. I wanted them with like the beads on the front, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And like the little skirt on the back. I don't know why I wanted them so badly. I mean, you know, they were great shoes. They were amazing, you know, and I was a total Hiroki fanboy um, and they were so expensive, which only made me want them more. Yeah. Uh, I think they were like $900 at retail or something like that. It's crazy. Yep. For like, um, But anyway, I really wanted them and they were super rare, the, the specific colorway that I wanted. Um, so I was like, hey, if I make this site, maybe somebody will post these shoes eventually um, and then I can buy them hopefully for less than $900. So wait, you already made Grailed? I was making it at that time. Oh, dang. Wait, yeah. what year is this? So this is like 2000. So that was 2011, 2012. And then I started making it in 2013. Holy cow. Yeah, like late 2013. I had just graduated college. I, so I, it took me seven years to graduate college um, because I dropped out for three years uh, and lived in San Francisco. And then I went back and that was when I sort of like started getting like way more into it. Wait, hold on. I just, just to I I, we gloss over all of that. We won't go too big of a sidebar here, but... What, what did you, first off, why did you drop out and what did so, you do in San Francisco? Um, the reason why I dropped out and those, those two things related is because I started actually, well, depends on how you count, but like my first company, basically my first like real company, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of a ridiculous concept to be honest um, at the time. Um, it's like Fitbit jawbone, right? So it's like a wristband that you wore while you slept mm-hmm. and it like tracked your sleep cycles over the course of the night. And then Amazing. It like, yeah. And then it Bluetooth to, listen, get this, it Bluetooth to your iPhone or Android, or BlackBerry device. And then it woke you up at the right time in the morning within like a 20 minute window that you set. So you felt like really refreshed and like energized like the right time in your sleep cycle or Dude, something like that. Dude, Arun, this is, this is huge. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> and that was in, that was 2008, 2008, 2009 to like 2011. So you're like, honestly, like 15 years ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, which isn't a good thing, you know? Well, I mean, the market wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I was so young at the time, right? And I was like making this like hardware wristband and like multiple phone applications, you know, when like back when like the app store was like not very like, uh, not very mature at all. Um, and it was just really difficult to do, right? So it was like the website, there was the hardware. I had to like source the parts from China. We were assembling them in Fremont, California and like the East Bay like 10,000 of these things. So I was like on the assembly line, like, you know, watching people doing this and like, you know, helping them figure it out. Wait, um, w- 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 <laughs> what was this called? It was called WakeMate. WakeMate. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can Google it. Um, there's, you know, residue on the internet. There's a Wikipedia article about it. Okay. Um, which is mildly interesting. Honestly, the most interesting part about it, and I hate to fucking say this, but I'm uh, sorry. Sorry for cursing. You can say, actually, you can say whatever you want. You're cool, fine. cool. Um, this is, so this is probably the most interesting part about it is I was sourcing these like parts from China, right? And like most of them were like through a third party distributor. So it was like very above board and like it was all great. But my co-founder found these um, knockoff Apple charging bricks. So they're like the white brick, right? That you yep. like plug in, mm-hmm. but they were black. And they were from this like random company in China that he found on eBay. Um, and he was like, they're so cheap. They're like $10. We can include them. We can have chargers. Because really you're just, originally we were just going to have the USB cable. 
um, right. and not have the charging brick. And he was like, but they're so cheap, we can do it. So we sourced these chargers. We bought 10,000 of them, literally. And we shipped them out with the product. And it turned out that they were poorly made. Um, oh, no. <clears throat> so they sent us a bunch of samples. And we got the samples tested because you have to go through like all sorts of certifications to like, sell an electronic product. Um, like UL certification and like a bunch of other stuff. So yeah. we got them tested, but it turns out the samples that they sent us were of higher quality than the actual product that they sent us. Oh no. So there was this like fat capacitor, which is like just terrible circuit design, but I won't bore you the details. So there's this like fat capacitor that was like very poorly soldered on and that would just fall off and that regulated like the charging of it basically. So then it was delivered, like the wall socket was just delivering like crazy power to like through the cable, like to the unit. And one of them caught on fire in somebody's bedroom like on their bed oh, what? and it was like this huge thing you can google it it's this huge thing like wake mate fires like it was picked up by TechCrunch. it was like this massive like issue um and i i was like terrified honestly it was like the it was the craziest thing that has ever happened to me because i legit thought i was gonna go to jail like this dude's like bedspread was like burned there was like god knows how many i think at that point we had shipped maybe four thousand units or something like that so there's so many out there like people just charging them and like I, I was i was honestly terrified i literally thought that i was gonna be incarcerated I'm seriously speechless on all this stuff. It's unbelievable, man, honestly. So like, w- w- what'd you do? What did I do? We called them all. I, so I had people's phone numbers, right? Because like they had to make the purchase, so I had the phone number. So first I emailed them all, and I had them like click a thing that was like, yes, I understand that I cannot use this charger, et cetera, et cetera. And then the people who didn't click the thing, because like, you know, I sent like three rounds of emails like immediately, like 12 hours later, like less. Um, I just got on the phone, and I was just calling them all. And I was like, hey, this is a rune from WakeMate. <laughs> Please don't use the charger, because you might blow up. This is like awful, man. It was like really awful. So, hold on. There's so many questions that are going through my head. I know. Um, We don't even need to talk about growth. We just talk about trials and tribulations as a startup (laughs) founder. So, first off, how old are you at this time? I think 20. Okay, so you're 20. Maybe 21, something like that. How many people work for WakeMate? Six, seven. Okay. So, and where did you like. What is your skill set at this time? You're the founder. Are you the, the yeah. coder? The... I mean, I'm like the founder, CEO, I guess. Like, no, I didn't know how to code back then. Um, so uh, I didn't know. I was like operations, basically, right? Like I was sourcing okay. parts. I was like coordinating like all the development and stuff. But I didn't know anything about development. So I was just like, we need a phone application to do X, Y, and Z. Like, does it do X, Y, and Z? Like, doesn't seem like it. Can you make it do that? Yeah. You know, so like it was very non-technical. Like I was just like following up with people and like just coordinating everything. Would you say that you're the kind of person that you you see the challenge ahead of you and you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Or are you the kind of person who looks at it and it's like, oh, yeah, let me get someone else to do that? You know, I think it's it's a mix of the two, right? It's like, yeah, I can do that, but like maybe not by myself. Right. You know, like like I could make this happen, but maybe I'm not the one making it happen, but like I can sort of like push this forward. You but know? It, you're not really intimidated by this sort of learning gaps that maybe required to to grow no i don't think so um you know like when we were doing this i learned actually at one point um because we lost our hardware engineer i learned how to program like a piece of hardware like writing like c code it's like i don't know objective it wasn't objective c it was like c is like the language yeah um on like the microcontroller to like make it like you know track movement and like all this stuff um and when i say learned i mean that's a very generous thing you know i was like copying and pasting code from the internet and like trying it and it didn't work and then like changing something that like maybe would work and then a lot of trial and error stuff um, but yeah, you know, it was like fairly undaunted, but you know, at the time, like you're like young, right? Yeah. You, know, you don't know. It's like, you know, you need a degree to like write code, like maybe, you know, but I was just like, fuck it. There's code on the internet. Like I'll just try it. Right. Okay. So that's incredible. First <laughs> off, for the sake of time, 
we'll we'll move a little yeah. bit past some of the wake mate stuff, but to kind of put a put a pin on the end of here, like, um, so things are catching on fire. Yeah. You recall wake mate. You're actually just the chargers. Actually, just okay, just the yeah, chargers. Yeah. Pardon me. And you are making phone calls to people about wake mate. Yeah. So when does wake mate? When do you transition out of it? Does it still exist? What what happened? So it was like petering out. We never really recovered from the fire thing. There was like a lot of buzz and hype around it. Where we were like, oh my God, track your sleep, wake up, you know, feel great. Um, and I have tons of thoughts around that industry and like Fitbit, like in general. Sure. Um, obviously. Um, but, you know, we never really recovered from that. So we sold all the 10,000 units. And I think we had raised probably a million dollars from like various people. Like nobody was super invested. It was all just like, it was like maybe 10, 15 different people. Okay. Um, so we, we had raised a million dollars. We had made all of these units and then we had basically made a million dollars. So we were like break even barely um, like funding, like salaries and like all that stuff. So it was like, Hey, I could try to make another 10,000 or 5,000 and like sell these things. Um, I could try to raise more money and like bring the production uh, overseas to China and like, you know, get the cost down and like and make a real business out of it. Um, but nobody wanted to give us money maybe because of the fires unclear. Um, so I decided to shut it down. And like, yeah, nobody really cared because nobody was super invested in it besides like me and my co-founder. Um, so I, that's when I decided to go back to school. Well, to be honest, I didn't really want to go back to school, but my parents were like, we paid for two and a half years of this. Like you're fucking finishing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you moved back, you head back to school and what, what are you studying at school? I was a physics major actually. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know, mildly relevant. Yeah. Um, well, just like, as a sidebar here, where do you think you got this sort of entrepreneurial bug and spirit? Because physics is not really, physics is very calculated risks. Totally. I would assume, right? Totally. Physics is all about like systems. Yeah. It's like, this is how the system works, work within the system. Right. Um, You know, I think I was very, very lucky in that I have an older brother and sister, like much, much, like not much, much, but 10 years older than I am. Okay. Um, And my older sister uh, is an investment banker. Um, so she's been working at Goldman for like 18 years, something like that, 20 years, something. Okay. Um, and my older brother is a management consultant and then he became like a product innovation consultant, but he was in consulting basically. So I had an older sibling who was a banker, I had an older sibling who was a consultant and, you know, at, at school, like in the East coast, right. Everybody is like, um, either you be a banker or a consultant, right. That's what every, that's a job everybody wants to get. Right. Um, but my brother and sister were like, I don't think you would do well as a banker or a consultant. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you ask them why or were you just like? Well, one, they were like, you know, like personality wise, like as a banker, right, you have to like take a lot of shit and like work your way up and like put in the hours. And as sure. a consultant, like you have to travel around all the time and like you're always moving from project to project. Like, you don't really own anything for long periods of time, you know, and like they were like this, I don't think this stuff like really jives with your personality. So I was kind of like, trying to figure out what else was out there. And I got really lucky um, in the sense that Yale, uh, I went to Yale, um, had this entrepreneurial program at the time that it was just starting. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like entrepreneurship was kind of like just taking fire in like 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did this summer program cause I was like, why not um, with this like alarm clock idea. Right. Yeah. Um, and one of the people who came to speak was this guy, Mitch Kapoor, um, who is the original, eh, one of the original inventors of like uh, spreadsheet software. Um, so like back in the day, so like oh, this, wow. co- this program Lotus one, two, three. Yeah. And like Lotus notes. Right. So it was like basically early word processing, early spreadsheets. Um, and he was talking to us and he told me what he said to us, which blew my mind at like, you know, whatever, 19 years old I was at the time. He said that he was living in Boston and he was a radio DJ 
and and while he was a radio DJ, he like saw this computer thing happening, and then he like put this software together, and then you know now he's like um I don't know maybe like he's probably he maybe he's a billionaire I don't know he's a, he's like a, he's a huge multimillionaire for yeah, sure he's a wealthy guy yeah but like he didn't he didn't know anything about anything right he was just like oh yeah software is cool I'm gonna make a spreadsheet whatever you know but he was literally a radio DJ you know he didn't have a degree or like I mean I'm sure he had a degree right but I think he went to Yale actually. Um, but he wasn't doing anything, you know, he wasn't like trained for this. He wasn't like in a company, you know, he was just like, I just made it happen, you know? Yeah. And like, it really like struck me at that point that just kind of like anybody can just kind of like make it happen. There's no like special like test you have to pass or like anything like that. Um, so then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And I was like, you know, give it like 10 years. I'm going to try like mad companies and like one of them work out probably or not. And then whatever. I don't know. I didn't think about it too much, to be honest with you. Well, I think it's it's funny that you 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 finished with that that thought because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are not as concerned about, well, okay, what is the next 10 years? Mm. You're more of like, this is a great idea. And if I don't see this through, I'm not going to be happy with myself. The risk is crippling. If you think too much about the risk, it's like paralyzing, right? You're like, what if this fails? Like, yeah, of course, what if it fails? That'll be terrible. And you'll be, ter- you know, you can imagine all sorts of like doomsday scenarios. Mm-hmm. You really just got to like not think about it too much. And you got to think about the other side, be like, what if this goes well? And you got to like visualize. It's kind of like the secret, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's the secret to success. It all comes back to that. Honestly, that's the secret to success. (laughs) And Finn, yeah, we are done. Um, so so Grailed is basically a Rune two point oh. You're coming back. You've you've learned a few things. You've you've already started a company that was relatively successful. I've been through the fire. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. go. Like you you've you've gone through it and. You're, you're scouring style forum. You're kind of like, it sounds like you're using some of these things as like, here's a, a baseline of what people are doing, but there, there is an elevated experience out there. I just need to make it. Totally. You know, I was like, this would be way better if, and I was like, man, I wish this existed. And I was like, ah, I could probably make a website. And then I just kind of like Googled how to make a website, which like wasn't a great path to go down. But yeah. you know. You're like GeoCities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, but you know, it took me like three, four months and I just like put this website together. And again, it was a lot of copying and pasting from right. like the internet. Right. Um, which, but it's, it's open source stuff. I want to be exactly. very clear here. Yeah, this yeah. isn't like you're stealing proprietary no, data. No, no, no. I mean, honestly, uh, web development, like making websites in general is getting easier and easier and easier and easier. Like if you go to Squarespace, right, it's like so easy to make a website and like you can like Shopify, right? You could like make a web store like that, yeah. which like didn't used to be the case. Um, but if you want to get, if, if you're willing to get a little more technical with it, you can basically build anything you want. Because like there are these things called... I won't get too much into it, but you know, there's these things called gems. So it depends on what language you use, but it's just not very hard. They're plugins basically, right? So like, oh, I want to create like an account feature, right? Mm -hmm. People can like log in and sign up and like have accounts. And then you just plug in this gem and now all of a sudden your website has accounts. Right. And it's like literally that easy. And it's, it's all open source stuff. It's all open source. Yeah. Yeah. People have like written this or like maintaining it, um, just to like further like the internet basically. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously, let's, let's people create products with tools and stuff that people are making. Totally. You know, it's so, like some kid on a laptop in his bedroom. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you're, so you're making, like, revision one of Grilled. So when, when does that actually start? Like, uh, what, what's the year? So I started making it in October of 2013. Okay. And then I finished the website around December of 2013. And then I launched it on Reddit and Style Forum. Um, um, 
which was amazing. Cause like, I love those communities, you know, and I was like in them for like years and like, they were my favorites. And like, basically what I was like, Hey everybody, like I made this website, which I think is like a better alternative for us to, you know, buy and sell stuff to each other. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how nervous I was about this whole thing. You know, I was like, I made this thing. I spent like three months like doing it. Like, you know, I'm really excited about it. I really want it to succeed so that I can buy these Visvim uh, moccasins. Right? Yeah. All, all because you want to buy stuff. Basically. Which is perfect. <laughs> Very selfishly motivated. That's to be fine. Honest. No, it's great. <laughs> um, but you know, I posted it on Reddit. And I posted on style forum and people were commenting and they were like, Hey, this is cool. A couple of people posted things, but nothing was selling, which was like freaking me out. And it was like December, I think it was December 28th, like 2013, something like that. And the Reddit that was getting like massive upvotes, people were commenting like, eh, this seems cool. Like, I don't know, like we already can do this like ad hoc, whatever. And I was like, look, if nobody buys anything, like this thing is going to be dead on arrival and like, I'm going to look like a real idiot. Um, so I had like five, six things up for sale or something like that. And one of, of them your was own personal stuff? Of my own personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was this pair of like quaddy, like blutcher mocks um, <laughs> that my sister had bought me because, you know, she had money. <laughs> um, okay. And I was like, I, I liked, but you know, like I had worn a few times, like, but it didn't really like fit my style in San Francisco at the time. Yeah. Um, and they were up there for like, I think the retail was like maybe like 250 or 300 or something like that. And I had them up for like 180 or like 200 and I just kept dropping the price like constantly. I would drop the price to like 150 then I dropped it to like 120 then to like 100 then to like 80 and then finally like 80 bucks, which is like a crazy steal. Yeah. Uh, somebody bought them. And then as soon as the person bought them, they went back to the Reddit thread and they were like, you know, I didn't really know about this Grailed thing. Like it was like whatever, but I just bought a pair of Quaddy mocks for 80 bucks. Like that is amazing. The site is incredible. And I swear that just like I upvoted the comment, a bunch of people upvoted the comment and then the floodgates were open. People were like buying things, people were selling things and like it, it was awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. And this is all within a couple months? It yeah, like? October to, to late December. Okay. And then how many users do you get by then? That's a good question. Uh, hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands, something like that. So I signed up the first like 100 users myself. Mm-hmm. Um, basically like people who are selling stuff on the internet, I would just go to them and be like, hey, you already posted your thing for sale on the internet. I'm just going to take your photos and your description and put it on Grailed and just tell me what your email is. Um, and when somebody wants to buy it or like makes you an offer or like they'll email you, um, like through Grailed and then you don't have to do anything until, you know, somebody wants to buy it or not, you know, like you lose nothing. Right. And I'll do all the grunt work of like re-putting your images on the site and like creating a listing for you. So I put like wow. 200 things up. Yeah. And like, you know, I curated it all. Right. Cause like, I was like just the best stuff from like everything that's people selling. It's like Billy Kirk bags and like, you know, like really nice raw denim and like, you know, PCC char coats. Cause like that was like a whole thing oh, yeah. like back then. <laughs> um, even though I think now like people don't even like those anymore. They're like kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, but rogue territory, remember rogue territory? I do. I loved rogue territory. It was like my favorite brand. Um, so I had a bunch of that stuff up there, but like, you know, the initial section was like really attractive. Um, and I think that that really like set the tone for like what kind of site it was. And when people would post stuff that like, I didn't really agree with, and this sounds terrible, um, I would just delete it. Really? Yeah. So people would post like a J crew, like back then J crew was not allowed, you know, and like, you know, gap obviously not allowed, you know, and like various stuff like that. Or if it was like too dirty or like used or whatever, it's like not allowed. So I would just like delete it and I would send them a very nice message like, Hey, this is a very specific type of marketplace. We're going for a very specific, like, you know, curated selection of goods. That's fair. Um, I appreciate you putting this in the marketplace. Um, but you know, it doesn't really fit in with what we have right now. Like, thank you. And like, hope you, that you enjoy whatever. Um, yeah. People were not happy about that. <laughs> they were like, fuck you. And like your elitist <laughs> bullshit. You know? Yeah. That's, I mean, I can understand a little bit, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I do agree. Like if you want to make a curated marketplace, if you want to make something that has the best of the best, you do have to say no to people, which is fair. And yeah. if it's your marketplace, you 
kind of have that right. Yeah, because you weren't you weren't saying you can't sell this anywhere. No. Like all those other opportunities exist on Reddit and style forum, etc. Mm-hmm. I was like, this just isn't the vibe that we're trying to create. That's fair. Yeah. It happens to all of us. You're at the airport. You're streaming your favorite show, scrolling through the gram when darkness. Your screen dies. The battery is dead. No, it can't be. But I just started watching The Wire for the first time. John Mayer liked my fit pic. The tears fall from your eyes. You're a clown in a clown world. But wait a minute. You remembered you just bought your amazing carry-on luggage from Away Travel. Those four gliding wheels eased you through the airport. You had even personalized it yourself by choosing that perfect color. And the lightweight and durable shell case was doing more than holding your gear. It also had a built-in USB battery pack so you could charge your device and get back to action. Yes, the day is saved. Visit awaytravel.com forward slash blammo and save $20 off your luggage purchase. Also, Away offers a 100-day trial so you can check it out and see for yourself. Just visit awaytravel.com forward slash blammo to save $20 off your luggage purchase and get moving. Man, I'm like flashing back to all these brands now. You remember SNS Herning? Yeah. Like, oh man, that's like- They made the, like the ultimate sort of like original fisherman sweaters yep, and stuff, yep, I believe. With that like bubble yeah. construction that was like the warmest knit possible. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All these like micro, like, li- yeah, little like bumps on your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I had one of those sweaters. I wonder where it went. They were good sweaters. They were very scratchy though. Yeah. I was like, it's not comfortable. Yeah. That's, that's, that's tough. <laughs> for the flex though. You do it for the flex. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're uncomfortable, but like, check out what I got on. Yeah, I got my basically. sweater. So you're making this stuff. And I think something I want to I want to call out is you more or less launch with first off Reddit in general is very much an insider type group. The people that are on there are more or less very very knowledgeable because it's on the internet. I would say that the the personality and maybe even some of the language that's used. Yeah. I also speak from someone who is on Reddit. Yeah. It's, it's anonymous, right? Yeah, it's anonymous and you can kind of like rip on stuff. And yeah. so because of that the bar to impress people is incredibly high because the majority of the stuff that from my experience on Reddit was always like, eh, whatever, this sucks. And you're like, no, this is cool. This is, so you managed to launch and sort of convert what I would say are probably some of the most fickle and elitist people on the internet and you do it successfully. Yeah. You know, I think this is probably a good lesson for people who, um, who are trying to do similar things. Um, You have to be authentic about it. I like I said, I was in this community for like three years, maybe, right? Something like so that. So they check your post history. <laughs> you know, it's like I've been commenting for three years. Like I'm here. A lot of people probably recognize my username, right? right? Where they were like, you know, you said blah, blah, blah about like JFK style, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember your like controversial comment. Um, and then I had a bunch of friends, like internet friends, right? Like who are in the Reddit as well. Right. Right. Like I remember some of their usernames, you know, like Trash Pile was like one of the usernames and like, I don't know, various other people like that. Um, so, you know, they all kind of like vouch for it and like, you know, they're all involved. Like I, I asked them all for feedback as I was making it, you know, I was like, that's this nice, good, et cetera. Um, but still people savaged it, you know, like they could tell it was authentic, you know, and like the language I use is very much, hey, I made this for us, you know, to buy and sell our clothes and it was free. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah. A lot. It's a big, big thing to call out. You were not charging anyone, anyone money money to do to do this because style form was free reddit was free right i'm not gonna like you're not gonna use my service if it's paid for you have a free alternative it makes no sense yeah 
Um, I'm going to lure you in and then charge you later. <laughs> no, no. I was always very transparent about it. I was like, look, the site is in beta. When it's not in beta, we'll probably charge. But, you know, for now it's in beta. Like, we'll try to figure it out and it's free for everybody. Sure. Um, but still people were savaging it in the comments. You know, they were like, you can't filter by size. Like, what the fuck? And I was like, dude, it's just complicated stuff. I don't even really know how to program. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm doing my best here. So now you kind of have a bit of a pickle because you have all these people that are using your service. It's free. So what... What, how did you like make this your job? Because you obviously were just doing this on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was like kind of bumming around doing this. <laughs> um, but I like cared a lot, you know? So like I was posting about it everywhere. I wrote some articles in the early days, like how to buy your first pair of raw denim. So like very, very early content marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to write it in like the four pin style, you know, with like the voicey, like, you know, like snarkiness, okay. which did not work really for me. I couldn't really, I couldn't really, uh, you can like, I don't, I don't think this article is around still, but you know, I posted that article to like slash R slash raw denim and they were like, fuck this guy. Oh. He knows nothing. He's like, you know, such an idiot. And I was like, no, it's all tongue in cheek. You don't understand. Um, people are so mean. People are very mean. <laughs> We're mean too, you know, just, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're people yeah um uh but yeah no i was like just trying to get more and more people to use it and like it's a good question right it's like how did it turn from being like a side project to like being like a full-time thing i think honestly it was not super difficult to sort of like suck up the reddit and like forum transactions basically okay and then once that happened i think we were doing like like a few million a year maybe in like transaction volume um, wow. Like pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah. And it was all free though. Right. So, but like, you know, that was like, it's a real business, right? Like, yeah, it's like pretty serious. So I was like, Hey, maybe I should like make a go of it. And for like half a second, I like tries to raise capital because I'd raised capital for my previous business. But in San Francisco, people were like, I don't care about this. I don't care about clothes. Do guys even really wear clothes? And be like, yes, they have to all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, that was, that was the vibe basically. So I was just running it myself and I was like, again, really, really lucky that my parents were willing to like front my living expenses for like a year basically oh okay Um, so they bought into what you were doing yeah well you know i'd started this other company which they were like this is a total clown show like what are you even doing and then at the end of it when it like failed they were like huh i guess maybe you did do something real for three years like it's fine so you know they kind of like believed in me like a little bit okay um not a ton but enough to the tune of like 20 grand they like believed in me okay um which was really nice um and again, I had support from like my brother and sister. So like if I needed to, I could like stay with them or like, you know, they would feed me and like all that stuff. So like I was able to cut a lot of corners for like the first like year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up moving here to New York because I met uh, two people that I wanted to work with, uh, Jake Metzger and Julian Connor, yeah. um, who ended up becoming co-founders of Grailed. Okay. Um, and Julian was an early uh, engineer at Venmo. And Jake was like early in the Tumblr scene. He's how I met Lawrence and like, you know, various other people um, yeah. in like men's fashion in New York. Um, Lawrence Schwassman, your brand director. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Formerly of Four Pins fame. Yeah, it's true. Founder um, of Four Pins. <laughs> and uh, when I moved to New York, um, Julian, who was an engineer, like pretty quickly took over all the technical stuff for me. And then Jake and I, well, I could like work more on product and like deciding what features we want to develop and like how we're going to make a better marketplace. And Jake was like, kind of like perpetuating us like in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped a lot and helped to like raise our profile a lot. I think Gian, um, who was, uh, Gian DeLeon, yep. um, who was writing for Hypebeast at the time, wrote an article about Grailed, um, which was like really, really great. And then just things just started to kind of take off from there, which I think got us the attention of this guy, Chris Peck, um, who is a technology investor in New York. Hmm. And he emailed us at help at Grailed actually. 
like a few months after we I had moved here and we had all started working together. And he was like, hey, we'd love to meet up and like, we'd love to talk. And he was early eBay, like, um, what was he wearing? Like Casas, like Yoji. Oh. Um, like he was like an early head. Um, like some of the, not really the graphic stuff, but you know, like all, all of that, like, you know, sort of like avant-garde, like Japanese like type stuff. He was like very, very much into. So as a, you're not into that stuff yet, are you? I was for a bit, you know, I, I was wearing like Boris and like, I mean, that's not Japanese, right? But it's like avant-garde. I was wearing like Boris and Rick and like, I still wear a little bit of Carol. Um, okay. I can like mix it in, but like, you know, I went through a phase basically. Okay. But is that, it was, was this guy like kind of your entry point into some of the av- avant-garde stuff? No, I think it was all kind of like around, but like, you okay. know, he kind of spoke the same language as us. Gotcha. Right. Where he like came in, he was wearing like mission workshop, like pants. Right. And like, uh, you know, okay. an outlier button down, you know, and yeah. we were like, oh, this guy gets it. Yeah. You know? So like, we like rode the elevator up with him. We we're like, huh, you're in a tech investor. Like, <laughs> oh, doesn't really make sense. Um, but he like, you know, he spoke the same language as us. He was like really, like really excited like very emotionally invested in it and he was working at this fund uh thrive capital uh, uh-huh. here in new york um and they mostly wrote like bigger checks and like we were pretty small at the time so he was like hey you know like come in talk to the partners let's see what we can do and like maybe you know you can uh we'll maybe we'll fund you um and, and help you sort of like invest in this platform how do you guys feel at this time are you like oh my god this is huge no like, what we is were actually not super excited about it at all um because at the time julian and jake and i we're very like insular. We were very like, you know, we have everything we need to sort of make this successful. It's very community, like grassroots, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, organic sort of like marketplace. And like, you know, do we really want to turn into this like commercial, like corporate type situation, you know, right. kind of like might eat away at like the ethos of like what we're trying to build here. So it was like kind of like a, a big moment for us, you know, where we're like, are we comfortable with this? So, like the first couple of times he came to us, we were like, no, we're like, we're not interested. Like, you know, like we don't really need this, you know, like we're doing well on our own and like, we want to do this like for the community. And I think we had a really big um, turning point of sort of realization. We were like, Hey, if we do take these like extra resources, we can just like make a better product, you know? And like, we can do things faster. We can make an iPhone app. We can start doing like things like the grilled 100, yeah. um, which came out like maybe eight, nine months later. Um, and it was just like, let's look at it as like sort of like taking these resources, sort of like jumpstart what we want to do so that we can serve the community and like the users better, faster. Yeah. Um, and that was a big turning point for us where it was like, you know, we have to like obviously sell a part of your company to an investor, which like never feels good because um, like it's your baby and like, you know, you want to keep it and like, you know, own it. Right. Um, but, you know, you do it because you can provide more value to the consumer that you're trying to serve. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, yeah. It's it's tough though, you know. It's it's never easy. Yeah, I mean, but at this time, so you know, you weren't that into taking some funding from someone. You you get it, and like, and this is the thing. I mean, because for me, like my first experience of Grail, I remember meeting Metzger, um, and he was like, "Yeah, we're kind of working on this thing," and I had heard about it a little bit on Reddit, Mm. and I checked it out, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool." Because I think like if you see my account, I. I definitely was an early member nice. on Grail. And I mean, because it was cool. I was like, I, most of the stuff I did is I would buy things and I would, I would sell them. And, you know, just it as I useful. would. It was very useful. It was incredible. Yeah. And so as you guys kind of go through this, I, you know, you, yeah, you are building this community. And especially you're building this with, like I was saying earlier, with people whom are very, very picky. And so as soon as you accept something like that, you know, or or anyone hears that you're getting funding, it's like you're just going to get attacked. But I think that the attitude that you had makes way more sense. Like, look, yeah. do you want an iPhone app? Yeah. Okay, well, th- 
it costs money. We got to make it. Totally, especially because we're not charging for the marketplace. Yeah. Right? It's like free. And by this time, like, what, what are you guys, is your, your volumes obviously increased? Like, are you yeah. bigger? We're definitely bigger. I don't remember exactly what the numbers are. Like, maybe like five to 10 million a year or something like that. Something small like that. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For three for three people, right? Like in an office, like yes, it was very it was very big. It yeah. was very, very big. And it was just, you know, it was a testament to like what we were building was helpful, right? And like for me personally, it was really great because like when I was talking to Julian, when I was talking to Jake, they were both like, Yeah, we use it. Like Julian was like, Yeah, I bought a Rick tea the other day. And I was like, What? Yeah. I was like, it works, it works for you. Because like, <laughs> even though we were doing like maybe I'm overestimating the amount of volume that we were doing, but it was something like that, right? It was I think it was like maybe around five, right? And then maybe a little bit under five. Um but it was still shocking to me that this website I had made like a year earlier was like, actually there were real people I didn't know who were like using it. Yeah. It was like incredible. And um, I, this is the thing that started to come up from this is there were people, some of it was you guys internally and then other people who had like kind of like made their own archive mm-hmm. uh, of, of, you know, helmet Lang. And, and so like grailed for me became this place to see these old like raff, you know, jackets totally. and, and Rick Owens and CCP and all this stuff like tornado boots and all these things that are on the site that you could never, no one was ever selling. And like, yeah. for some reason, you know, and obviously, I mean, we all know the reason, but like you guys created this marketplace that enticed and, and showed the product in the light that they were created in. Yeah. You know, like something that the was right just, aesthetic, right? And like yeah. the right adjacencies and the right, like... There was a level of like comfort and like psychological safety that was created for the community to sort of showcase the things that they cared about. Yeah, like right? you like don't want to sell personal about it. Yeah, like you don't want to sell a, a like a CCP scar stitch jacket on Styleform, and that is no shot against Styleform. Totally. It's just that like you want a beautiful image. You want because it's a eight thousand dollar jacket, and you something. want it to sit next to a Boris jacket. Yeah, right. You don't want it to sit next to like um, I don't know, like a blazer. Right? Yeah, like it depends on who you are, right? But like you got to create that sort of like message for them. And I think for us at the time, like there's a big reason why we um, why we brought on Chris, right? Because we were like, you know, taking funding like changes things. But Chris like was like, I get it. Who's like, Chris? He, uh, the investor. Okay, right, right. He was like, I get it. He was like, you keep doing what you're doing. Like it's working. Like I'm not going to try to like change things. And like I think he was uniquely a person who we would have let give us the resources in order to build the iPhone app, do the Grail 100. And I think that when we when we launched the first Grail 100, the centerpiece jacket for that was the Raf Simmons PCL uh, hand-painted Peter Seville parka um, that we sold for like $10,000, right. which I think was probably the most expensive Raf piece sold ever at that time because um, like Archive Raf was just starting to sort of like take off. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the imagery and like the styling and like the press that we got like sort of around that, I think it was a big part of like, you know, what how, how RAF continued to rise and how archive fashion continues to rise, you know, and then fast forward like two years later and we're like donating clothes um, or like lending out clothes for the RAF music video with ASAP Rocky and like everybody. Yeah. You know, but like, I, I, I think the archive fashion was like having a huge moment at that time. And like, I always liken it to like music, right. Where it's like, you don't listen to the music that's just coming out right now. I mean, you listen to Igor obviously. Right. But like, <laughs> you also listen to like, you know, what happened before you listen to like flower boy. Right. And you listen to like, you know, I don't know, some people listen to classical, right? You listen to Mozart, you listen to Beethoven, you listen to like the Stones, right? You listen to the entire back catalog. So like, why would you wear clothes that like only just came out right now? It's like a moment in time. And like maybe the moment in time doesn't resonate with you and like your aesthetic, right? And what you really want is like first collection Margella or like first three years Margella. Or maybe what you really want is like 2006 Raph. Maybe what you really want is like, 
uh, Polo Sport, which doesn't exist anymore, but is relaunching and we're helping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that quick plug, quick plug. No, no, that's, that's fair. That's great. I think, you know, and we'll, we'll jump on that towards a little bit later, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys get big enough that people that have created some of these archives, uh, or excuse me, not created the archives, but have created some of these brands mm. are like, you know what? It might be better to bring it to a place where the audience is already very respectful and understanding of brands that may not be as active as what they used to be or like relaunching or you know yeah really understand like helmet lang with original helmet is the best yeah period yeah 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 Yeah, i mean because that i think that's the thing that for me is probably one of the things that i love the most about grailed is obviously yes the marketplace but you guys started to build this content library too of Oh yeah, I didn't know that it was made then. Totally. And I didn't know how that what process that took place because also and this is no shots against mainstream, you know, like magazines or anything, but like they're covering stuff that's new. They're not really very often cuz that's what's selling at retail. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the, what you guys were doing was just amazing and I yeah, like there uh some of the stuff when you guys like launched dry clean only, which was basically your 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 like it's like a blog yeah like your blog type stuff but all the articles on there yeah like uh, eddie salon masterclass right like oh yeah dive into undercover exactly because i had no idea about some of that stuff yeah like uh the margella masterclass like you know my favorite thing about margella is like there's literally like one photo of him on the internet like literally you can't find any photos of him he's like the most mysterious dude in the world Yeah. yeah it's epic stuff it's it's amazing but you know i think all that was kind of born out of the fact that like it all comes back to the style journey that I was on, right? Like when I was like a kid and like growing up, right? You go from like these like mall brands to like these like more like grown up brands, these more niche brands, right? And like, that's what we want to do with Grailed for everybody, right? right? It's like create this community of people who are all going on this style journey. And like, that's what matters to us, right? And like, even before we had content, you go on and like, you're seeing all these clothes like CCP, Boris, you know, like acne, like, you know, next to each other and like, you know, all these things like raw denim and whatever. And like, it's the most comprehensive catalog of clothes, like in the world, probably, right? Like there's no more, there's no single website that has as many, as much men's clothing as we do on grilled. And if you want to learn about men's clothing and like, be like, I don't know anything about style or like clothes or like what even I want to like look like or dress like, just go to grail.com and just like click on the feed and just browse. Yeah. And just like see what people are liking, see what people are wearing. And it's just like the education of it is like so powerful. You know, like I've discovered, innumerable brands through Grailed. Like I know, you know, being in the business for like a few years, like I know a fair amount about men's fashion, but like the reason why I know it all is because people post it onto Grailed and I see it, <laughs> right? So like I can talk about first season Margella because somebody posted first season Margella onto Grailed, you know, like it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's special. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. That's actually really crazy. You're like basically learning from the product that you help create and build. Yeah, and then the content is a very natural extension out of that, right? And it's like really, really nice now that we can like go to some brands and be like, hey, like Matthew Williams from Aleeks, like let's tell your story a little bit, right? Like where did you come from? What's the inspiration for your collection? Or like the project we did with Jerry Lorenzo from Fear of God, Mm -hmm. where he's like, hey, here's the reference piece that I had when I was a kid, you know, like the Jordans or the jersey that I was wearing. And here's the updated version I made for Fear of God. Like let's sell them both as a set. Yeah, you know, we can kind of like take the stuff and like more of an extension of it, but really it's all in service of like educating people and like helping them discover their own personal style. You know, what brands do you like? What aesthetic do you like? What do you want to look like? You know, like Grailed is going to be there to help you figure that out. Right. That's, that's huge. So now you guys are at this area where, I mean, I remember when I first came to this office, it was on a different floor. There was maybe 
15 people yeah. and now you're on multiple floors there's tons of people everywhere i mean you are like a like capital c company so what what is it like now it's so different it's so <laughs> different you can't i don't know it's 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 really hard to think about um it's really hard for me to grasp you know and like it hits me in moments when i'm like mm-hmm. standing in the corner of the office and i'm looking out over the entire thing and like the perspective is like so real where i'm like oh my god that's a lot of desks that's a lot of people that's a lot of budget <laughs> how many how many people do you have working here i think right now we've got 60 65 something okay. like that um we were we were running very very lean for a long time yeah um and then recently we've started to sort of like invest more in the vein of like getting more features for people um, right and, um, you know, it, it's really great because we're able to do more sophisticated things. And I think that people will really start to see, I think you've been tracking Grail for the past six months. You've seen a market improvement in the design and the functionality of the product. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't added a ton of like new features lately. We've been really like shoring up what we have and like making sure it all functions super well, making the mobile website like really great. Um, but like over the next like six months, I think people will really start to see the impact, you know, we'll start, I don't want to like give away too much but i think the the website it's it's or the marketplace itself is is really going to be uh mildly transformed um and i think that you know one of the big things that we want to push forward is grailed right now and like where we came from has been this sort of like capital f fashion marketplace right right? where it's like gucci saint laurent it's ccp it's like you know all these like really impactful brands like with houses and like stories and like histories which is amazing but I think some of that stuff isn't super accessible to individuals. Yeah, um, I mean, because they're, they're expensive pieces. Exactly, right? Yeah. And like, you know, the prints are a little wild sometimes. The imagery is like a little crazy and it's very artistic. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've had conversations with a lot of people, my friends, you know, other people I've met where they're like, you know, men's style is a thing now. You know, like just like early GQ days, like remember like the tail end of like Ask Men where like men were sort of like, like maybe the end of like the metrosexual movement. Like it was more acceptable and like more okay to sort of like care about what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing like a second wave of that happening right now. I think streetwear is uh, is leading the charge there, but I think everybody in like very different aesthetics and very different style tribes is sort of saying, "Hey, let me be more purposeful about the things that I'm wearing. What are cool brands? How do I dress better? You know, like how do I express myself more fully through the clothes that I'm wearing?" And what I really want to do, and I think what we're really trying to do here as a company, is go from being a fashion marketplace to being a style community, where it's like, "Hey, you've been wearing blue jeans your whole life that you've just like bought from the Gap and like whatever." Maybe you want to try a pair of black jeans, you know, like maybe you want to learn what Buffalo plaid is, you know, like maybe you just want to try like a new flannel or like whatever it is, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. your style is and whatever way that you feel comfortable and the way that you want to express yourself, want Grail to be a community of people and a resource for doing that. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And I think, you know, I, I, I'm calling this out because a lot of companies now are like, we need to be sustainable or we need to Mm -hmm. do this. And like more or less what you guys push is a sustainable um, like is a sustainable mindset and that like you're buying clothes off someone that yeah sure it was it's it was worn or it was you know or something that they're not using anymore and that gets a second life with you yeah I mean because I mean that's huge when you think about you know all these people will talk a ton about how like fashion is like the largest contributor to you know like unfortunate like global warming totally. and just I mean, waste the, the biggest export in the United States is used textiles it's literally the number one biggest export. Jeez. It's crazy. And we have this like saying around the office, which is like sort of like taking hold lately. And it's just like, it's like Drake, you know, it's like no, no new friends, like no new clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there was, I'm trying to remember there was a journalist and her thing um, was, I'm not going to buy any new clothes this whole year, yeah. but I will actually end up purchasing the same amount of like 
air quote new stuff. It's just not like brand new. to new. me. Yeah, yeah, new to me. And I think that's something that, you know, I've definitely done. I mean, for me, the thing that I like, I try not to tell a ton of people about Grailed, but obviously I'll say it on this, is like Grailed has, I think, because so many people are focused on like the super, super high-end stuff, the amount of like old like Cuccinelli and Laura Piana stuff and like Aldens and things that are on Grailed. I'm Dude, like, the Laura Piana deals are so real. Yeah, I was like, dang, that's a really good price. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. And maybe people aren't as like, trying to dig for that because they're looking for like St. Laurent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. It's just not the market. Right. But as we, as it, take advantage of it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. But look about sustainability. I think sure. I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously it's core to what we do here as a company. It's not something we've trumpeted um, a, a lot lately, but I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, analogy with sustainability, with music piracy, right? Like where people want to support artists and they want to do that. But if, piracy and, and like, you know, downloading music is just so easy, right? That's just what they're going to do. You know, everybody wants to do the right thing, but if it's like really difficult to do, it's hard to like, you know, guide humans to do that. Mm-hmm. But then you do streaming, right? And like, you know, you have Apple music uh, or Spotify and like, you know, you have uh, iTunes movies and like all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, instead of people torrenting things, which, you know, people still do, people are now downloading stuff like in streaming it basically yeah. and like paying for it, right? So if you make it easy to do, so you can feel good about yourself by supporting the artist or supporting the producer, but you can also get what you want very conveniently and cheaply, that's great. I think that the analogy with fashion is, is that it's hard to be sustainable. You know, it's like, or traditionally, right? It's been very difficult. I agree. But, you know, if you make it easier to be sustainable, you say, hey, come to Grailed. You have this incredible selection of clothes. You're not limited in your selection. You can be sustainable and, like, buy whatever you want. You can even buy leather because it's already been produced, you know? And, like, you know, you're not, like, harming the environment by, like, making new stuff or, like, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have incredible selection. You have incredible prices, right? So, like, not only are you getting whatever it is you want, like, exclusive stuff and, like, rare uh, rare items or, or whatever it is, um, you're also getting them cheaper than you would normally, and you're saving the environment. You know, like, this is amazing. You know, it's like you get... You get value add, value add, value add, right? And like in that way, I think you can change people's behavior and say, hey, don't go to Zara, you know, don't go to, you know, the primary retailer, like go, come here, right. you know, no new clothes, like, you know, and you save money and you get better stuff. You know, it's like the, the trifecta. There you go. As, as we start to wrap up, you're like a big company. I wouldn't say that. Well, that's, that's fair. I, I, I'll, I'll take that correction. But you, <laughs> you're significantly larger than what you once were. Yes. Who like... Who is like mentoring you or helping you throughout this? Oh man, um, a lot of different people. Honestly, it's it's uh, entrepreneurship in general is really really nice because we all recognize that we couldn't do what we do without the support of everybody else. Like there has been never been an industry that is more stand on the shoulder of giants. I think you know the open source stuff, right? It's yeah. like that's so altruistic, right? It's like you know I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the community. Um, so I, I get help from a lot of different people, uh, a lot of tech people in the space. Um, you know, a lot of like, uh, my investors, right. Who like give us advice and stuff. I think very early on, um, when I was starting my first company, the person who influenced me the most, obviously Mish Kapoor, was like, you know, a bit of a turning point for me. Yeah. Um, but this guy, Paul Graham, um, who is, uh, hard to characterize what he is, but I guess he was a, he's a startup investor now. He was like an early, um, he was an early entrepreneur in in the web days. He started this company called ViaWeb, which was one of the first e-commerce stores. Um, maybe the first e- e-commerce store, I'm not really sure. And then they sold this Yahoo and it became Yahoo stores like a long, long time Whoa. ago. Um, and then he started this thing called Y Combinator, which is uh, an investment uh, fund that invests in 
um, early, early stage companies. Yeah, and so they're like, like an incubator, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he would have issue with the term incubator because okay. there are connotations to incubator that he probably doesn't love. Um, but basically, they they uh, they invest in like one, two, three, four person companies okay. um, generally. And that was the original idea. Um, but he's written a bajillion essays about life and about like the economy and like startups and like industry in general um, that were like so worth reading. You know, it's like just really, really great stuff, really poignant, like not super long, each of them. If you go to like his website, like paulgram.com, there's like a bajillion essays there that like I just love. And like I got to meet, we were in, I was in my comedy with my first company. Um, I don't know why he decided to invest in us. Um, but thank God he did because I got to meet him, right? And like talk to him and it was like a huge impact on me. So that's been really, really helpful. Um, and it kind of like shaped me and like the mindset that I have as an entrepreneur today. Do you get any time to actually mentor other people on your own? Or is that a goal? I try. Um, you know, I'm not so uh, hubristic as to say that, like, you know, I'm like a great mentor uh, for other people. But I try to give advice to people. You know, people uh, ask me, you know, um, for specific, like, tactical advice or, like, you know, like, how to think about things or, like, you know, how I got it done uh, and stuff like that. So anytime anybody reaches out to me, I'm more than happy to spend, you know, 30 minutes on the phone or, or what have you, like, talking to them um, about what is... Uh, about what might help them. But honestly, I think the biggest thing that I always tell everybody is just like, don't take no for an answer. You know, like, don't be stopped. There's always a million reasons not to do it. And like, you know, if you ask me like, hey, how did you make Grailed? Like, that's not a helpful thing to you. Like, I can tell you I did X, Y, and Z and it was great, you know, but really like, I just wouldn't be stopped. You know, I like Googled how to make a website and I made a website and like nobody wanted to give us money. So like, I just made it, you know, and like, I didn't even care about like raising funds and, and all that stuff. So I didn't have partners, right, to like work on it. So I just started making it and then I got partners from the people who were using it. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just like, you just got to like keep going and like forging ahead. Um, and like, but again, like it's important to acknowledge like the fortunate circumstances with which I came from. Um, but you know, if you gotta, you gotta be creative and you gotta solve the problems that are in front of you and you can't rely on external people to help you solve things. Definitely get advice from people. Right. But like, it's not the end all be all. It's got to come from you. That's, that's actually really beautiful. I'm serious. I appreciate that a lot. Well, Arun, this was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Good talking, man. Really great. Later. Okay, that's it for season five. You've been listening to Blamo. As always, our theme music is by Tan Lines. We're taking some time off and we'll be back at the end of the summer with a ton of new pods. If you haven't heard all the episodes, take some time to go through the archive. And if you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Want to know about what's going on in fashion, menswear, or just want to meet other folks? Join our Slack group. It's a private chat group online where tons of other Blamo listeners chat about, well, almost everything. Send us an email saying, hey, I want to join the Slack group and we'll get you in. All right, we'll see you all soon. <laughs>